coming up. When I think about how she died, you know, in a field, all alone, and, you know, this guy almost decapitated her, or guys, or whatever. I mean, it was just horrible. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. I promised Kristen. I said, you know, Kristen, I will never rest until we find out who killed you and why. I still have hope, and I think that's what keeps me alive. You know, I'm not young, so I just keep hoping before I die that we're going to get this resolved. And I, I have more hope now. It's been 36 years that a young woman from Burnsville, Minnesota, was found dead in a cornfield in upstate New York. I'm joined by Sharon Yu at Carol Evan in Minnesota, Kristen O'Connell's hometown where she was from before she took that last trip. Uh, Sharon, tell us about what we know about Kristen O'Connell and, and what happened. Well, so it's kind of a long story as many cold cases go, but basically the gist of it is that um, Kristen was on spring break and she met this boy uh, down in Florida, I believe, and she was smitten. She had met a boy on spring break who just, oh, just charmed her. She thought he was really nice, and she corresponded with him. He invited her up to the Finger Lakes before her junior year started. Um, and so they kind of corresponded after the spring break, and then they were planning on going up to this Finger Lakes region. And in in between this uh, these two trips, so Florida and the Finger Lakes region, um, there were some details that had shifted, um, something about how um, he was, like, now uh, kicked out of his parents' home, and he was, like, living in a trailer that his buddy owns or something like that. But it was kind of like, oh, but it's not a big deal. Kristen, you can still come up, and we'll have a good time. And so, of course, Phyllis, um, Kristen's mom, was, like— you shifting details kind of it's kind of scary to hear something like that um but at this point her daughter is old enough and she you know from what i gathered from talking to her she seemed like a cool mom and she as all cool moms want to want to do they she just kind of let trust her trusted her daughter and just kind of let her do her own thing and was like you know what you're 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 grown. Um, I trust you. I trust that you'll make good judgments. And so, uh, despite this kind of weird gut feeling she had, um, Kristen ended up going up to the Finger Lakes region with this boy that she was so smitten by. Um, and you know, they had arranged some kind of transportation to get her up there. Um, the O'Connell family did. And so the last time this uh, driver individual saw her was when he dropped her off. And she, uh, Kristen called Phyllis and was like, hey, like, I just got here. And uh, just let her know that this was this was happening and, you know, she, she was fine and whatever. And there was another phone call that she had made and she was like, hey, mom, um, I'm going to be coming home. And she was like, why? Is everything OK? And then Kristen basically was like, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. I'm OK. Don't worry about it. And that was the last time she heard from her. And, and Sharon, I know you you again, you sat down with Kristen's mother and she vividly, you know, after all these years, remembers that phone call, the last words she heard from her daughter. Yes, absolutely. She she says that she cannot shake her her own words were the apprehension that she had heard in her daughter's voice. But I mean, what can she do at this point? She's in a different state. 
She said, uh, I'm, I'm going to be coming home. And I said, well, why? You know, is something not right or, or what? And she said, well, she said, it's all right, Mom. Don't, don't worry. So she got the phone call, and then I'm assuming the next thing that happens is that, well, I mean, she, she probably didn't hear from her daughter, and Kristen was found not long after that, right? Yeah, um, so I believe uh, she didn't hear from her daughter and the police found her and they called um, they called the O'Connell family to let them know that she had been found dead in a cornfield. Uh, Phyllis said that she was nearly decapitated, um, very disturbing. Phyllis told me that her husband was the one who went up to Ovid, that small town outside of the Finger Lakes region or within the Finger Lakes region um, to identify the body. And um, she said that when he came back, within like a month, he went completely gray. And she thinks that that's what killed him because he passed away shortly after that. What were investigators able to learn, if anything, about the guy that she went to see and what became of him? Literally nothing, which is so frustrating. And I, I asked her if she knew anything about the guy and she said Absolutely not. They that they he never even called her to say I'm so sorry for your loss. Nothing. He just vanished. And I, at this point, I don't even know if he if she even knows his name. So that's so strange to me. And the this whole investigation, it was very primed to fall through the cracks because the town of Ovid doesn't have its own police department. So it's kind of like one of those cases that floats between departments, state patrol, and maybe the sheriff's office from that county. So it's just so tragic. So literally nothing, as you say, early on. And then here we are three and a half decades later. As much of anything come up over those years to give Kristen's mom hope that there might be some resolution or a suspect might be found? Well, understandably, she's had a lot of um, paths that she has traveled down. And she it's just been such a long time that she it's passed through so many hands. And she's a really strong, determined lady. She is not kind of like resigned to anything. And so she's been kind of on top of this, collecting information as any, uh, any parent would in this situation. Um, she also brought up something that she was pretty passionate about, but kind of like floated it as an idea instead of, you know, instead of having like a real plan. But she was hoping that there was some kind of legislative change um, about how cold cases are handled within the departments, um, because it doesn't sound like there is like a cold case unit. And this is why uh, podcasts like yours and also different, you know, true crime docuseries, those are it's so important because it gives people hope and there really isn't there aren't that many resources for different police departments to have a team just dedicated to cracking old cases so she was kind of hoping and just throwing it out there that maybe that's something that the legislature can tackle somewhere down the road so she did mention that as well and this case uh you know as we mentioned Kristen was from this town in Minnesota. How far is that from where you are at the station? Is is that an area that you cover? Yeah, it is definitely. It's like the first uh, ring suburb of the Twin Cities area, Burnsville. So um, it's right now, it's connected to the city called Bloomington, and that's where the airport is. So that kind of gives you an idea. It's about like 25, 30 minutes away from here. 
And have investigators said much of anything in recent years? I mean, it's is it a case they're still looking into, they get calls on or leads or anything? I really don't think. I think it's just gone kind of silent, which is why um, this family friend who is producing a docuseries about this, um, that was the reason why we did this story again, was because this gentleman named Christopher Pavlik said that um, he was going to be kind of shedding new light on the case, and she was hoping that it was going to either bring more eyeballs to the case um, or, you know, yeah, basically more eyeballs to the case. And she also made it very clear that she wasn't trying to use that platform to criticize any of the work that has already been done by investigators in the years past. So um, she got really excited about that. So at this point, it sounds like it's a lot of just civilian work. It's clearly another opportunity for Phyllis to tell this story and to get it back in front of an audience of people who might not have heard about it before. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think she is a seasoned, um, I guess, spokesperson for this case for obvious reasons, but also because, you know, when, when we got to her house, we set up and normally people would not be very open to that. Just a bunch of cameras and lights and it's not very comfortable, but she was very cool with it. And she had all these documents and photos that she was able to pull out, um, very organized. So it, it was very clear that she had been on top of this case for a very long time and also just very eager to get the story out there. Sharon you at CARE 11 in Minnesota. Thanks so much for talking to us about this case. We appreciate it. Thank you, Will. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We're here every weekday with new episodes, Monday through Friday. We also have a weekly show covering cases around the country, True Crime Chronicles. Check it out today wherever you listen to podcasts. That's True Crime Chronicles. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. 